Um, as Dana said, my name is Tim Ice, and I am our campus pastor at Summit uh, Whitesburg. So let me give you a little update of what God is doing there. Um, we, uh, we took 10 people from here. Uh, we started weekly services on July uh, 31st. And within the time between there and now, we have seen, uh, we've seen God save and rescue uh, 23 people. Yeah, give God honor and glory for that. So not only have we seen God um, save and rescue, we're also seeing people take next steps. We're having people follow the Lord in baptism. We're having uh, people get in life groups. Um, we are seeing God just do amazing things. And two weeks ago, we had one of the biggest um, needs that we had as a campus uh, met. Um, God, um, give us the, the, well, he just made it happen. God, give us a trailer to be able to do kids' service there. Because um, we're not set up, because of the Mountain Shriners building space um, issues, we're not able to do kids right now. Kind of like how we do things here. So what we always wanted to be, because we really believe that the next generation matters now. So two weeks ago, uh, God answered that prayer. So beginning on um, Easter, uh, April 16th, we will begin a kids' ministry. So it's just, God is just really uh, moving, and it's just, it's just it's all glory to Him. Um, I didn't tell a lot of people that I wasn't going to be in Weisberg um, today, and I, was, I might as well just turn Mark loose on them, you know, let him um, get them. Because I had come ask me, like, you know, what kind of guy is Mark really like? I said, man, he's, I mean, he's just a super nice guy. I mean, he's really, um, really a high-energy guy. If you can imagine, like, a Jack Russell on crack. That's kind of... Um, can we cut that from the video because I really like my job and I'm afraid I'll get fired uh, for that. So um, we are currently in our series Multiply, where we've been going through each book of the New Testament um, each week or a group of books, kind of like what we're doing today in First and Second Thessalonians. Now, Paul had started this church and he's writing um, this letter to the church in Thessalonica. So they had some issues, some questions concerning what happens when one dies. In particular, how does, that, um, how does that relate to the second coming of Jesus? See, I think most of us um, have questioned really what happens. I mean, what, what is heaven really like? Um, I'll show you a little bit of really um, kind of the um, dysfunction that is some at Weisberg. Uh, one of our core members, Mark Applegate. Um, he's really into bodybuilding, you know, like, I mean, like, legit, like, competes and stuff. So he's asking me, he's asking me a couple of times, like, so, uh, Tim, do you think there's a, is there a gym in heaven? I said, man, I don't know, kind of didn't pay much attention to the first question. He asked me again, he's like, man, is there a gym in heaven? I said, sure. I get to work out with Jesus, man, it's going to be awesome. I said, I don't know if that's the way it works. And then it turns into, I bet Simpson's just huge. I said, no, I mean, he's kind of a little guy, man. I'm, I'm sure he's just small, kind of like Pastor Martin, you know, I don't think he even lifts. But, you know, I think everybody has questions of what um, heaven is like. If you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and open them up um, or turn on your device. The Word should be behind me. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, we're going to begin in chapter 4. We're going to read verses 13, 13 through 5, 11. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. 
then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. For you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day, who are not of the night or the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet of hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to attain salvation, our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So right out of the gate, uh, God is speaking through Paul, and he's telling us that um, those who put their faith in Jesus, um, you're not going to mourn like most people do because you have hope. See, that doesn't take away from the fact that there's pain or there will be mourning. But we have hope. And I've actually seen this play out in my life recently. Um, my grandfather died the Friday before Christmas. And uh, my grandmother, his life partner of 67 years. I can't get my head around being married that long. But I watched her. She hurt and she had pain. But underneath that, there was hope. Because she realized he didn't suffer anymore. And she realized more than anything else that he was going to be with Jesus. And then there's going to come a day that they were going to be together. So for those who have uh, placed their faith in Jesus, see, we have hope because we know this is not the end. <clears throat> so today, what I want us to look at, we're going to have one big idea. We're going to uh, split it in the middle and have two parts. But our big idea that I want us to see today is that we will live forever, but we can't stay here. So our first part, we will live forever. See, I don't know what you think about eternity, what comes to mind. It'll be like a reunion with Jesus and loved ones or this massive worship concert. But you and I were created for God's purpose and his glory. We're going to celebrate Jesus in heaven. We're going to celebrate him saving us, uh, rescuing us. There's going to be a party in heaven. See, not only the scripture teaches that we're going to celebrate, but even in our own lives, I mean, we will celebrate anything. Let me give you an example. Uh, my wife and I, we have three kids, uh, 20, 16, and 11, which means we need a lot of prayer. And our youngest at the time, he was around nine. Um, and my wife didn't want him riding in the front seat of the car with me. But there's moments in life what mom doesn't know won't kill her. So every time that we would kind of get out of view that I knew I was safe, I would stop the car and allow Phoenix to get up front with me. It was just bros hanging out, just cruising, having a good time. So we was on a milkshake run a while back. So as we're pulling through the drive-through, my car has like the old cigarette lighter that you press in. So he's like, what's that? And I said, well, that's a lighter. So he presses it in. I don't think much about it. It pops out. He looks, and it's just glowing red. And it's just hot. 
So I watched him put it back in. So by the time I turned to order our milkshakes, I heard this scream, ah! And I look, and he had took the lighter and stuck it to his face. Now, my first reaction to my concern was not the welfare of my child, but the fact my wife was going to kill me. So I look at him and say, Bubby, what are you doing? I don't know. So ladies, let's chat for a second. There will be moments in your guy's life when he would just do something dumb that defies all reason and logic. And when you ask him why he done this, when he tells you he does not know, he is being completely honest with you. We're just wired that way sometimes. We will just do dumb stuff. So all of a sudden, me and Phoenix start plotting. What story are we going to tell mom to try so she won't kill both of us? And I hate to admit this, but he had the best idea between us. He's like, what I'll tell mom is because I was sitting in the back. I reached up between the seats and I pushed the lighter in. Then I stuck it to my face. I said, buddy, that ain't going to work, man. She's too sharp for that. We're, we're, we're just busted. We're just busted. We're just going to have to just fess up and just tell mom what happened because it made a perfect C on his face. Like the Cincinnati Reds logo on the hat. It was just perfect. The five-mile drive back home was the longest drive of my life because I knew we were just in a world of trouble. So when we get in the driveway, I said, listen here, here's what's going to happen. We're going to have a diversion. You go to the living room. I'm going to go to the kitchen and kind of buy some time. So we walk in. He goes into the living room, and the whole time he does, he has the milkshake stuck on his face to try to keep the cooling down from the burn. So I walk in the kitchen. I'm just completely rattled at this point. So I drop my milkshake. It just explodes and goes everywhere. This day cannot get any worse. So look, I said, babe, we've, I got something I got to tell you. She goes, what's that? I said, well, Phoenix got burnt. What? And here was the question I did not want her to ask me. Where was he sitting? Um, uh, front seat, maybe. Uh. See, Tim, that's why exactly I didn't want him sitting in the front because of stuff like that. So after about a 25-minute lecture of how dumb I am, and I can't believe that I let this happen, and that she can't trust either one of us to be together, then she goes off to the bedroom and we look at each other and we high-five because, first off, Mom didn't kill us. And she didn't ban us from being together. So it was a win, so we celebrate. But it's going to be the way it is in heaven. We're going to celebrate the fact that Jesus loved us when we were unlovable. And it was why we were at our worst that he saved us and said, I will pay your bill that you can't pay. So we're going to celebrate what's going on in heaven. So we should know as far as being followers of Jesus, when we die, we immediately go be with him in heaven, our soul does. Our bodies may be in the ground, but our soul is with Jesus. That's why Paul kind of uses this falling asleep, because that's what it appears it's like, that the bodies fall asleep. They know it's dead, bodies in the ground, but our soul is with Jesus. So it kind of brings the question, will people know each other in heaven? See, there are stories that, that tell it, yes, they will, that we will know people and we will know each other, know our loved ones there. See, there's coming a time, and Jesus was talking about in Matthew 4, 24, 35, that, that the heaven and earth is going to pass away. So we're not thinking like the Death Star blowing up planets. All right? We're thinking like um, to re, uh, regenerate. Because when sin entered the scene in Genesis 3, not only did it um, separate God from Adam and Eve, it fractured how the whole universe worked. So we're talking like a cosmic renewal on the day when Jesus comes. In Revelation chapter 22 and 21, talking about a new heaven and a new earth. See, what Paul's point is to is the resurrection of the bodies. 
see in, in, in here what we just read in the text in chapter 4, 14. Those who've already died, their spirits, they're, they're going to come with Jesus. And there's going to be a moment when their bodies and the souls are going to be reunited. And for those of us who are still alive at that time, then our bodies will be transformed instantly into incorruptible, perfect bodies. Because of Jesus' resurrection, it guarantees ours. That our bodies are going to will be resurrected and be with the soul. Because the truth is our bodies will fail us. Our bodies are going to wear out. They're going to, they're going to give way. And if you're over 30 years old, then you know what I'm talking about. There have been moments when I wake up and I am in pain. And the only thing that I have done was sleep. I have no idea how you hurt yourself sleeping, but apparently I can do this. Coffee and 800 milligrams of ibuprofen get me through the day sometimes. But we try to preserve this body. We exercise and we die. And you can eat blueberries for antioxidants for the rest of your life, but there's coming a day that your body's going to fail you. But we get caught up in preserving it. And then when we do this, we kind of neglect our soul. Because Jesus said, what would, it, what would it benefit somebody to gain the whole world? Did you get the American dream? Did you get the home? you get the perfect guy, the perfect girl? you get all kinds of money? You get this. And then you neglect your soul because the worst thing you can do is gain that and then lose your soul. Why? Because our soul will live forever. See, our soul is the most important part of us. It's who we are. And for those who put their faith in Jesus, see, we're allowed to have, it gives us hope when we face suffering. It gives us hope when we face trials, when we face hardships. Because our hope is based on what Jesus done for us and the fact of his resurrection. Because we know there's coming a day there's going to be no more pain, no more suffering, no more anxiety, no more depression, no more fear because of better Day is coming, and that gives us hope. And what makes it the best day coming is the fact that we get to be with Jesus, that we get to be with him. And the second part of our, our big idea is the fact that we can't stay here. When we go on vacation, the kids will always ask, how long are we going to stay? Because the idea of staying where we go is just, it just doesn't happen because it's not home, it's not permanent. See, we see and we hear that we're going to be with Jesus and there's a, a better day coming, but all of a sudden we get caught up in this life like this is it. That this is all that we have. See, what God wants us to know, there is much, much more to life than this just right here. This little speck of time that we're in in the span of eternity. But God wants us to know that there's more. In chapter 5, in verses like 5 through 11, Paul talks about um, being sober. So what he's not talking about is running to the store, getting a pint of Mad Dog 2020, a half case of beer, and a pack of Marlboro Reds, and having a redneck good time. That's not what he's saying here. But what he's saying is do not get intoxicated, do not get drunk on this world. And the things of it, so what he's saying is, he's saying stay focused, be alert, stay focused, be alert, because all of a sudden, if we get worried about this earth, we're worried about us, we're looking inward, we're looking down, we're not looking up for Jesus. Because it's easy to get caught up in the things here. I know, I know it's a church, and you're really not supposed to, to be honest, but 
Um, I have made some really dumb decisions and horrible things while being drunk. That's the old regenerate hymn. Not the new one, but the old one. See, and we know that being drunk is horrible because when you're sober, there is nothing worse than being around a bunch of drunks. It's miserable. They come up with these good ideas. Hey, let's wrestle. And you're in public. It's just not, it just doesn't work. Or you're trying to carry on a conversation when it just doesn't happen. It's like trying to herd cats. It's just ridiculous. See, what Paul is saying, the same thing for us, when you get drunk and you get enticed and your affections become more about this life and this earth now than what it is about Jesus. See, what Paul wants us in this church to see that this life is temporary. See, as followers of Jesus, we've been called to a simple life. We've been set free from the silly pursuits of the world, which changes everything, how we engage our neighbors, how we act when we're out in public on our jobs, how we deal with our money. See, we have been set free. As followers of Jesus, we should be the freest people on earth. So, so how do we fight against this drift from Jesus to getting caught up in what life is? I believe we can do three simple things that will help us. The first thing is we need to have a proper perspective of who Jesus is. See, last week in Colossians, he painted this picture of who Jesus is, that he created everything, that he is preeminent. There's nothing above him. Not only does he reign and rule the whole universe, but he also holds everything together. That's who we serve. There's nothing grander than him. And another thing that we can do is live a life with expectation, expectation of his coming back. Because we're guaranteed it. Because of the resurrection, we know that he's going to come again. When we look at our life and what we're doing and how that looks and compares with eternity, it gives us a better perspective of things. And the last thing we can do is encourage one another. Twice in this text, Paul says, encourage one another. See, because this, is, this isn't natural, because everything in our culture tells us, um, save money, live better, Walmart. This is where life groups are so important because it gives us accountability that we need to encourage each other that this life isn't it. See, we've been free from the silly pursuits and we can focus on things of the kingdom of God and not live for us. Because the truth is, the more we give up of us, the more we get of Jesus and that's the greatest trade-off ever. Because the truth is, regardless if you actually do attain the American dream, where you got the perfect house, the perfect car, the perfect kids, and they go to the perfect school, and everything is just grand, all that pales in comparison to the greatness that's coming when Jesus comes back. As we, as we bring things to a close, I just have a few questions for you, and we'll, we'll wrap things up. Are you holding on to things here a little too tight? This life, the things of it. And I'm talking to followers of Jesus right now. Are you living your life in such a way that it shows that you actually believe that Jesus is going to come back? See, nobody knows when he's coming but the Father, but it's on the cosmic calendar. Does your life represent that you actually believe that he's coming? Are you changed by that? 
You've been set free. What's holding you back today? What's holding you down? See, you can have freedom this morning. See, I don't know how you walked in here, but I just want to, I just want to tell you that maybe the fake you is just killing it. That the fake you is doing just fine. Everything looks good. Your Instagram looks awesome. See, but you need to hear me say from the gospel that the real Jesus, he died for the real you. So who are you fronting for? See, the, the cross frees us. We're all strugglers here. So we don't have to pretend when we're not doing well, when we're busted up, when we're far from God. See, the cross allows us to run to him. And because he's a good dad, his arms are open. Just say, come. See, the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our lives is one of the most loving things God does for us. Because what that says is, where you're going, what you're doing, this isn't it for you. I've got something better. So when we talk about repentance, it's a directional term. All it is is we stop going away from God, turn and run to God because he's a good dad and he wants the best for his children. Are you free today? Are you letting things of this world, image, perception, anything hold you and take your affections away from Jesus? Because the truth is Jesus Christ wants, the, wants to sit on the throne of our hearts. There's no room for anything else. Is Jesus on the throne of your heart this morning? Or do you have things that you need to repent and confess about? Because it is a travesty that we come into this place on Sunday and all of a sudden we got this conflict inside of us and either things don't line up or we're drifting away from God and we don't take the opportunity to find joy in repentance. And we walk out the doors the same way we come in. That's not how this works. It is crucial for us to have confession and repentance in our daily walk with Jesus. Because he already knows. And it's why you were at your very worst is when he died for you. You are more loved today than you can possibly imagine that the God of the universe wants so much for you to be an adopted daughter, an adopted son, that he sent his son to pay the debt for your sin. You'll never earn this. You'll never be good enough for this. And praise God is that way because our perfection is in Jesus and what he gives us. There's freedom in the cross today. Are you free today? Would you bow your heads and, and close your eyes with me? I just want to talk to a couple groups and, and we're done. What about you, follower of Jesus? Are you free in your relationship with Christ? Or are there some things in your life that's holding you back? So you have the opportunity to go to God now. And because we know He's a good God, we can run to Him. So I just invite you to take this time. What do you say today, Summit, that we cash it all in? That we, that we cash everything in? The silly pursuits of this world, worried about what we want and not about what Jesus wants. Why don't you say we just cash it all in and say, God, I want to be about your will, your kingdom. Help me see that.
that your prayer this morning? If it is, I just invite you to raise your hand this morning and say, that's me. I want what God wants for me. I want to live a life of expectation of Him coming back. So that's you this morning. That's you. Just raise your hand. See, it's a safe place here because the cross helps all of us as strugglers. No one here has it together. That's why the church should feel like home. We don't have to pretend anymore. Or are you here and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And what you need more than anything at this moment is a Savior. I want you to know that you are more loved than you can imagine. In following Jesus, Christianity is not about rules and regulations. It is about an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Who wants to free you today. And not only free you, he wants to provide a home for you in heaven, to be with him. So if that's what, if that is your desire to begin that relationship with Jesus, I just invite you to say this prayer. It's not magic words. It may help verbalize what God is doing in your heart. And that's just to simply say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins and save me. It's that simple. Did you just say that? See, I want to count to three, and I ask you to be bold and to shoot your hand up if you made the greatest decision of your life to begin a relationship with Jesus. One, two, three. Is that you today? Everybody look at me for a second. On the back of your connection card, you have the opportunity to, if you've um, recommitted your life or if you made a decision to follow him and you didn't feel comfortable raising your hand on your way out, do not forget to tell somebody what you've done today, what decision you made. Leave that connection card with somebody. And if you have needs and you need prayer, write those on the back. We actually look at those. We pray over those. Somebody give God a hand today for what he done, that he moved. And... Um. Man, I'm just so excited to be back home. I mean, it's always good when you can come back home. Thank you for making it easy for me. Just um, remember us in Whitesburg, please, that we pray for you, that we are one church, two locations, but this is not the end of it. There's more churches to be planted. There's more people to be reached. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart as a pastor in Whitesburg for your generosity because Dana talked about it. What you give matters. And because of your generosity, we were able to plant Whitesburg. We were able to see Jesus saved in Whitesburg. And it's because of what you do here. So I just want to thank you so much for what you give because it allows us to do ministry. And I'm thankful for that. And I want to thank you. Um, man, just, it's just great to be home. I just, it's great to see you guys. Um, have an awesome, awesome, awesome week. Um, Mark will be back next Sunday. Um, do me a favor, brag on me. He's my boss. All right. I like my job. I want to keep it. All right. So, man, I don't know. He just killed it, man. It doesn't matter. Lie. Jesus forgive you. All right. But brag on me to Mark. All right. Thank you guys so much. Have an awesome, awesome week. And uh, Mark will be here next Sunday.